0: <clears throat> so chicken crackers yeah you may be wondering what is he talking about chicken crackers I thought we we're studying the gospel of Luke what in the world does that have to do with chicken crackers that's a good question um if you if you knew my chickens <clears throat> you would uh understand this a little better um uh, <clears throat> let chickens out quite a bit every every time we go and they 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 bolt as soon as they get a chance they want to go and scratch around and and eat bugs and worms and, and tear up my garden, uh, especially my freshly planted seed or potatoes or whatever. They go out and they dig them right up, so we have to fence it all in. And they're they're more chaos than they're worth. But uh, one thing they do that always brings me a chuckle. And I used to very be very judgmental about chickens. Uh, of course, I'm not now. Well, yeah, now I still am. But uh, <laughs> but I'm a little more sensitive to them. You see. Uh, my wife always, she keeps a, a bag full of chicken stuff. Uh, food, leftovers, you know, salad parts, you know, that we take out and we, we throw out. And she's always got some crackers or some tortillas or some potato chips or something like that in the bag. And they love that stuff. Uh, you can see on the ground here, there's some, uh, my, my mother-in-law is moving out of her house and, uh, for a few months. So she's cleaning out her cupboard. So we have all these, she had, she had boxes and boxes of crackers. Uh, so we, were, we we give them a sleeve of crackers every now and then, and they love them. Saltines, Waverlies, they, they're they not picky. They just love crackers. And so uh, you let them out, and then you go in and you throw the crackers down, and they freak out because they want them. The problem is they've left the gate. They've, like, walked around the, 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 the little coop that they're in, and, and they, they, they get around, and they get out in the pasture, and they, they take the shortest route back to the crackers. And the thing that's in their way is the fence and they don't know how to manage it. I mean, they will stand there looking at the crackers on the other side, and they'll all be like bang, 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 banging their head into the fence. Like, how do we get in there? How do we get in there? Like, I want to, like, there should, this thing should open, and so we can get in and eat our cracker. And it's hysterical. I mean, I could, I could watch them. I could just keep watching. And they'll do that for half an hour. I mean, until one of them just kind of figures it out. And something clicks, and I don't know what it is, but something clicks, and they're like, oh, yeah, the gate. And then they all go around and they come in the gate like, like like nothing changed. They've just been standing, they're just running back and forth up and down the fence until one of them thinks, finally. I don't know that may be the problem is they don't have a brain. But, but I used to think that, that, man, chickens are the dumbest creatures in the world. Until one day, just not long ago, I was watching these chickens and I think, man, am I just like that or what? I mean, I, then I realized how similar I approach life to that very way right that I think life ought to like the gate is supposed to be right where I'm at and when the gate's not right where I am I'm like where what, what's going on what, what's happening like why isn't this right this, this is where it should be why should I have to look anywhere else for it and and I just stand there like looking for it trying to make it happen trying to I'm bang into this thing until I can finally get through instead of just going around a different way and see when I do that when I'm just I get frustrated because there's no gate here. This it's supposed to be right here. The, I can see the good stuff right there. This has got to be the way to it. And if it's not, like I, so, I pray. Right, I'm banging my head on the fence, and so I pray. God, open this thing up. And God doesn't open it up because it's a fence. You know, or I'm like, God, why aren't you bring the crackers out here to me? And he doesn't. They're still in there. I know they. I know they're good. I know. I just need to get in there to him. Problem is, is that I don't know how, or I think God doesn't care because He's obvious. He obviously doesn't care. He didn't open. He didn't open the fence. He didn't move the crackers. Doubt comes in when we don't see God work in the circumstances of our life. Doubt enters into our lives. My life, your life, right? When we don't, when not, we don't see God moving, well, he might, God must not be moving. God must not care. But doesn't he care about his children? That's what we tell ourselves anyway. Another reason doubt comes in is if we don't if we don't understand God's ways. We don't understand what God is up to. And so if I don't understand it, then, then I probably don't see it. I mean, I pray that, that, that God, that, and I, I believe he hears prayers. We, we just prayed, and I believe he hears those prayers. But... <laughs> Yeah, uh, when I pray, I don't know about. I'm not going to blame you for this, but when I pray, I usually have an idea of how the prayer ought to be answered, right? I don't know about you, but uh, some of you are nodding your head, like you, you you pray the same way. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. So so when I say pray Lord, please do this, and I, what I don't say, but I always mean is that, and you need to do it this way on this timeline, and and it would affect these these people. That's what I mean to say when I say God move. Like, I have an agenda, right? And when God doesn't go down my list, well, me and God, we got problems, right? Which means I've got problems. Which means I'm like these chickens, outside the fence, just trying to get through. You may not see this yet, but uh, I believe this is where we find John the Baptist in our study of the book of Luke today. We've been working through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we're going to continue that. Next week we'll, we'll probably take, I don't know yet, but we'll probably take a Sunday off from our study of Luke and we'll, we'll do a, a traditional Easter sermon. But today, Palm Sunday, this one fits where we are in the Gospel of Luke, really fits with what Palm Sunday is all about. Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, right? It's when, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and everybody was outside singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Everybody was excited. Everybody was so sure of who Jesus was, so sure of what God was up to, so sure of their faith, and yet, in just a few days, they were all going to turn away from him. They were so sure, and yet not. What happened? Things didn't work out the way they thought. Where we find John the Baptist in our beginning of our study of the Gospel of Luke, where we saw John, uh, remember when, if, if you don't remember, uh, John the Baptist was in the womb, right? His mom was pregnant. And Mary's Mary, Jesus' mom, came to visit. And what did John do in his mother's womb? He left, right? He was like, "Woohoo! Jesus is in the house! You know, and he was like, oh, excited about it. And he knew, before he was born, he knew that the Messiah was a big deal. He hadn't seen him yet, but he knew, even in the, in his mother's womb, he knew that the Messiah was the thing that our people have been waiting for. Forever. He grew up knowing that his job was to announce the coming of the Messiah. That was John the Baptist's job. That's what he grew up understanding that 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 was the prophecy that had been spoken over you before you were ever born. That's your role. You are to be the announcer, you're to be the one that proclaims the coming of the Messiah. Then he saw Jesus as an adult, and everything fell into place, it seemed. John the Baptist, he was absolutely certain. He was absolutely certain without what you couldn't convince. Well, maybe you could. But he was certain that Jesus was the Messiah. We saw it in, 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 in Luke chapter 1 where, where they met before they were born, right? We see it again in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, when they're talking about this same experience that John saw Jesus coming towards him, right, one day. And the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29. says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. And he says to the people around him, his, his followers, he said, this is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me surpasses me because he was before me. I myself didn't know, but the reason I, kept, I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. John said, that was my job. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself, while I didn't know it, the man, the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, God sent me and told me that the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He said, this one that the Spirit is going to come down on like a dove is the promised one, is the one Israelites have been looking for for hundreds of years. It's the one we've been waiting on the Messiah. That's going to be him, John. John was sure he was to announce the Messiah. He knew, his, he knew his role. He was convinced that Jesus was the one. He had sent his disciples. He told his disciples, that's him. Go follow him. And they were like, oh, okay. But something happened after, Jesus, after he baptized Jesus. I don't know if you remember it or not, but, but after John the Baptist baptized Jesus, boy, with all these these names are all getting kind of tongue-twisted here in a minute. But, but after John baptized Jesus, he did something that got him in trouble. If you remember it. He he spoke out against his leaders. Herod. Matter of fact. Herod the Tetriarch, who was the, the, the leader of the people at that time. He called him out because, well, Herod had married his, he didn't marry his brother's wife. He took his brother's wife and married her. She also was his cousin, so I guess it really didn't count. But, but anyway, the, the problem was not that he had a vertical family tree, but that he was immoral. And John the Baptist called Herod out. He called him out for it publicly. And you don't do that in the first century. The result was he got put in prison. He didn't get you know, banned from Facebook. No, they, they put him into prison. And that wasn't just uh, go to jail for 30 days. That was a death sentence. You don't call out the king. you don't call out the ruler, not in that world. It was a sure death sentence. John was comp- he was expecting to be killed just at no when. I know that I know what I did was, was going to get me killed, but it was the right thing to do," he said. "Even though it's going to probably lead to my death, put yourself there for a minute, just waiting to die, literally in prison death sentence don't know when could come any day there's no appeal there's no you know the judge jury and executioner that's one man he's decided and here i wait now john the baptist was a devoted follower of god he was i mean god had called him to go into the wilderness and and don't eat bread don't drink wine eat your locusts and honey like, don't dress with clothes. Wear animal skins, and that's what he did. He was a wild man living out in the woods. He was, he was a unique character. But he was, he he had chosen this ascetic life because God had called him to it. And in the midst of it, Jesus, he finds himself in a prison. And now Jesus isn't being very messiah-like. Jesus doesn't seem to want to be the Messiah. Every time someone gives him attention, he's like, no, 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 no. He backs away. He, he walks off. He, he wanders out in the woods to pray. He, he disappears and people don't know where he's at. Sure, he comes back and he heals, but, but then he's gone. Like the Messiah, is, that's not like the Messiah would do, is it? That's where we pick it up this Palm Sunday. In Luke chapter 7 verse 18, John's disciples told him about all these things. So he called two of them, and he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Are you the one everybody's waiting for, or are we waiting for someone else? Remember, he's in prison. Remember, he's, <laughs> he says, I, I, I get it, you're the Messiah, everybody thinks, but, but hello, I'm in prison. Are, are you going to help me? Are you going to do anything to get me out of this? Can you help me? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Are you the one? Can you help me? Are you going to help me? What, What are you doing here? Why aren't you doing something to get me out of here? You're the Messiah, right? It's the same questions that you and I have asked. God, where are you? God, are you going to do something here? God, I need you to do something. Do you not understand, God? Like, that's always a crazy question that we ask God. Do you not understand what's going on? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So then he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, he always has this way of, you ask him a question and and he says, okay, I'm going to go back to work. (laughs) It's like, did you hear the question? He did hear the question. Are you the one we're waiting for? Right? And what did he do? He went and started healing some more. And then he tells the disciples of John, he says, now go and tell John what you saw. When they go back to tell John what they saw, which is recorded right here, right? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. When they go, when he hears that, when John the Baptist, who is so, soaked in the Old Testament, the prophecy of Isaiah it has been quoted again and again and again in reference to John the Baptist. When he hears those words, he's going to immediately think he's the one. He's the one. Because those were the very same words that the the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament uses. He uses those pictures, those those, uh, illusions, right? Those Those words of healing, those words of deliverance, those words of of hope and a promise that what the Messiah is going to do again again and again and again and again and again in the book of Isaiah. It's all throughout that whole book. Like this is how you'll know the Messiah. He's going to be doing this and he's going to be doing that. And he's going to do this when he comes and he's going to do that when he's here. Again and again. It's all throughout it. You should read it. Isaiah 26, Isaiah 29, Isaiah thirty chapter 35, 42, 43, 61 are, ex- I mean, explicit references to this behavior. But there are other aspects of the, the role of the Messiah that Jesus wasn't fulfilling. Right? All this stuff that we see Jesus doing, it's like, oh, that's a Messiah. But there were some things that uh, the book of Isaiah also said the Messiah was supposed to do that, frankly, Jesus didn't seem much interested in. Just to be fair. One of those. Jesus didn't seem interested in, in being the Messiah. John knew he was, but he didn't seem like he wanted to be. What do I mean? Isaiah 2620. Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. It's a reference to when he appears his wrath they're looking around they're saying i don't see any wrath coming out of jesus all i see is a bunch of love i don't see any wrath another one 2920 the ruthless will vanish the mockers will disappear and all who have an eye for evil will be cut down well jesus get the cutting cause they're standing strong right now it seems like right that's what john is looking around that's what and not just john there's a lot of people that are looking around like i, I don't see these promises being answered another one See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. Well, Rome is still in charge. Jesus, what are you up to? See, see John the Baptist had had an understanding of how things ought to work. He was expecting God to answer his prayer a certain way. And, And Jesus wasn't being that way. So he was questioning Doubting, maybe. We don't have a completely accurate sync of the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? They're all four accounts of the life of Jesus. We, we can kind of piece them together, but but the writers of the Gospels tended to rearrange parts just to, to make sense in the, the way that they were telling the story. So, so we don't have a, like, this happened and this happened and this. We can't do that, really. So in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, there's an account of something Jesus said, a teaching that he gave, that that really fits into this part of the story of Luke. He says in Matthew 13, starting in verse 13, he says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they don't hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that's on the screen right here. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their hearts, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and I would heal them. But blessed are you because your eyes are open. They see. Your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see, but they don't see it. And to hear what you hear but don't hear it. See, what he's saying here is that that this too is a prophecy. That, that, that we weren't going to see the whole picture unless we could really see the whole picture. Some people would get it. Some people would, if they didn't get it, they would trust God in it. Others had to see it black and white and they were never going to be able to. They had to hear it word for word. And if they didn't hear it word for word, then they just couldn't bring themselves To accept it. Jesus said that's just the way it's going to be. Some will hear. Some won't. Some will see. And some won't. To understand the truth of God's plan. We have to have ears to hear. And eyes to see. And if you don't. If that's you. you, I just don't get it. Pray that God would open your eyes. And open your ears. You don't want to like, I want to like that's it. Just ask him. I believe he'll meet you in that prayer. Just ask him to give you understanding. He promises that as we knock, he will open the door. Just invite you to knock. Verse 24 of chapter 7. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd. John's disciples went away. So he begins to talk to the people who were remaining. He says, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? He's referring to John the Baptist who was preaching out in the wilderness, and, and this crowd that was left there, was they all knew John, and many of them had gone out to be baptized by John, and so he's talking to them about that. He said, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A, a reed that was just blowing in the wind like a bobblehead? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, you wouldn't go out there to find that. You'd only find that in the palaces, right? Now, what did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one, he's talking about John. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. He's talking about John, that's what his role is, to prepare the way for the Messiah. I tell you though, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. All the people. Even the tax collectors. I always love the way that those guys always got, you know, that, you know we, got, we got rapists, we got murderers, we got drunks, and the tax collectors. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got the worst to everybody and the tax collectors. When they heard Jesus' words, they acknowledged God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. They, they trusted God. That's why they got baptized, for repentance, right? Because they trusted John. They trusted that what he said was true. They knew that they they maybe didn't understand it all, but they trusted. They had faith. Jesus then turns around to the people. He's saying, John the Baptist was fantastic. He did exactly what God called him to do. And he is the least in the kingdom of God. How could he be the least? Because in the kingdom, you know. You know that you know. Outside of the kingdom, you don't. You don't trust. You question. You doubt. You doubt. In the kingdom, in heaven, you know all things. John is outside of that. He's outside of the kingdom of God, and so he doesn't understand. He doesn't know God. He's, he knows, but not completely. He questions. He doubts. There were others, though, that didn't trust had questions but and couldn't trust God and what God was doing. And he spoke to them next. The Pharisees, the experts of the law. They rejected God's promise, purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. They couldn't accept this baptism to repentance that that God had told John to perform. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? And he would that's that's how we might say, you people, right? I, I, How am I going to describe you people? Not not you people, but right. Just talk to the crowd. What are they like? They're like children in the marketplace calling out to each other. We played a pipe for you, and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge for you, and you didn't cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man, he comes eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunk. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. There's those tax collectors again. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. So this this parable, right, that Jesus is telling here, uh, this kind of story that you you may not get it completely, but, but Jesus is speaking to the people who had rejected John and now are rejecting him, right? That's who he's talking to, people of of that generation. He's talking; he's calling them out. He's comparing them to a song that that apparently was was popular back then, right that, that the the children would say in the streets, right? That I I play a song and you don't dance. I I sing a sad song and you don't cry. He's like, Simon Says. You might, if you're taking notes, if you make notes in your Bible, you might just write in there, Simon Says, because that's kind of what it is. It's like, like we do this and you don't react. We do that. You don't, you don't like that either. So, so what do you want? What do you want? We, we send a holy man, right? Who's the most devout, the most pious Jew of all, the John the Baptist, who's gonna not eat bread and wine ever. He's gonna live out in the woods and he's gonna deny himself of everything and serve only God, and you don't like that. And then we're gonna, and then we have Jesus, who's, and he's just gonna celebrate. He's gonna go from party to party to party to party to party. Every time you see him, he's sitting around a table with people, tax collectors included, and he's just, he's always around people. And you don't like that. What do you want? Neither extreme seems to be what the people want, what those people are looking for. The proof is in the pudding is what he concludes with that. The wisdom is proved right by all our children. You might think of that as you get a word of advice and and it doesn't work out. Well, that's probably bad advice. Or you did it wrong, right? Or something. Or it was you got some advice, and it worked out, and you're like, wow, that was great advice. It was good wisdom, right? Wisdom's proved by her children, by the results. Jesus said saying, the, we'll know. We all know. We can see the fruit of your life, right? That's what he's saying here. The fruit of your life, whether it's John, what's the fruit of his life? Holiness, love of God, the Messiah being announced. What's the fruit of Jesus' life, healing, patience, love. What's the fruit of the Pharisee's life? Laws, punishment, separation, right? Wisdom is proved right in our children. What we see here and, and is the things that John missed are frankly some of the things that, that you and I tend to miss today. Real quickly. Maybe, maybe John didn't miss it, but, but he was definitely distracted from the truth of who Jesus was through this season of difficulty being in prison waiting to die he was distracted from the truth the, the true thing about who Jesus was and be honest with you that we tend to forget that too sometimes we tend to forget who it is that we serve who it is that's in charge we, we kind of take it on ourselves it's, we forget you see that that we each have un, unique callings from God you your call is different from mine. What you're called to experience in life, what you're called to, to do in this life, to accomplish in this life, is different than, than what I'm called. God works differently in different lives. We can't compare our lives to one another. What ought to be for you is not what ought to be for me. Roman, in the book of Romans, Paul wrote um, that we have different gifts. Different interests, different experiences, different different facets of our life. Why? It's as though we are different parts of the body. So, <laughs> actually, the illustration that Paul uses is that we are different parts of one body, the body of Christ. And we're all different. We're different. We have different functions. We have different callings in the body. We are to work towards different things. And yet the same. The Gospel of Matthew, in, in Matthew 5, Jesus tells a parable about uh, lighting a lamp. Right. And where do you put a lamp when you light it? You, you lift it up where it gives light. Right. You don't cover it up with a, a basket. No, you, you lift it up so it does what it's supposed to do. And that's what we are. We're the lamp that's been lit and we're supposed to give light. We're supposed to make the we, You and I followers if you're a follower of Jesus your role is to make disciples you do it from there from wherever where you are i do it from where i am we have different callings same purpose same function but different or same purpose different function colossians 317 tells us whatever we do do it all in the name of the lord do it all for the glory of god trusting God that for your life if we, as we trust God for our life after we die we're to trust God for our life now, this side of death for the John the Baptist that meant that he was going to lead a holy, set apart, holy like W-H-O, like a completely set apart, holy life an ascetic life you know, monks lived in caves for generations why? because of John the Baptist because that's what he did he lived out in the wilderness and so whenever somebody thinks of a holy man, that's what they did for generations. They lived like him. For Jesus, the call was to live a connected life. Not a separate life, but a connected one. That's why we always see him sitting around a table eating with people. Going to weddings, going to celebrations. Feasts. To connect people who had been locked out of their relationship with God by religion. He he sat at the table with them. He took took God to them since they couldn't come in. Which is the second thing that John the Baptist and we tend to forget, is different callings will result in different experiences in life. We're going to have different experiences. One person is going to have the answer to prayer, and I'm not. John the Baptist lived a life that few of us would be able, that few people in that day, in this day especially would be able to accept. And yet he lived, lived the life that God called him to live for the glory of God? Both Jesus and John the Baptist were instrumental in, the, in God's plan, but they had very different experiences, very different experiences. John the Baptist would spend time in the wilderness. Jesus would spend time in fellowship. Again and again and again in the Gospel of Luke especially, you will see Jesus eating with people. Again and again and again. Why? if you ever wonder, why is why he always eating? He must weigh 300 pounds. No, he was eating because that's where people were. That's where he could talk to people. That's where he could meet people. Maybe it's a word for us, that maybe we need to invite some people over for a meal that we don't really know that well. A neighbor. Share a meal with them. My neighbor just did that for me a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> some, of, some of you were there, happened to be there, too, that uh, invited me over to... and we we're. I, I'll, I told him, I'll, I'll tell you all. It kind of felt weird going to, to someone else's house when you, you know you're not going to know anybody. Right? When you're going to be the oddball. just want to say... So when you invite your neighbor over and they don't they don't really know you, they're going to feel pretty weird about it. So you need to go out of your way to make them feel comfortable. Well, I did going to my neighbor's house, and we, we talk all the time. And yet, going to his house to eat, that was something different. I'd never done that before. It's going to be different for your neighbor too. But it's worth it. Paul in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said that, that, that he was willing to accept any assignment that God him, gave him in order to reach people, right? He was able to, to the Jew, he was able to be a Jew. To the, to the unbeliever, he, was act, he acted like an unbeliever. To the one under the law, he acted like one under the law. Why? So that he could reach them for Jesus. He did whatever was necessary to make people feel comfortable so that he could tell them about the one who would change their life. As a follower of Jesus, you are called to make disciples. I am called to make disciples. That's it. That's our calling. That's going to lead us. Because we come from different places, we're going to have different experiences. That's the purpose of our lives. How you do that, how you live out that, that purpose, that, that to make disciples, that is what we consider our call. Right? How we consider that call is going to lead us in different places. We should be okay with that. And yet... For some reason, we get in our minds thinking that being rich is better than being poor. That being a doctor is better than being a truck driver. That being a, living a simple life is better than a complicated life. When in reality, that God may be calling different people in different ways in order to reach others. We see this play out in the church all the time. Is That, that some people will get caught up in, in what, they call the, what what's referred to as the social gospel. Right? We've got to help the poor. We've got to feed the hungry. We've got to, we've got to help people who, who, who need help. We've got to lift up the broken. Like right? that's, that's what the church is supposed to all be about. And then on the other side, you have people that are like, what the church is supposed to be about is holiness, calling people to repentance, baptizing folks. we got to need to get them in the church so they hear the gospel. We need to... Which is right? Which is the right one? Jesus would say they're both, right? John the Baptist was the holy one. Jesus was the loving one. Which is right? They're both right. John Wesley was famous to to have said that there's no holiness but social holiness. In other words, there's there's no love for God without a love for your neighbor. The way you love God is loving your neighbor. You can't separate them, they're required. Yes. Both and. We just have a preference that it's got to look this way, God. While it's going to look different to each of us, it should all be, each one of us have different ways of approaching it, but we should all be going in the same direction. Right? We should all be moving in the same direction. Different, yet the same. Different, but the same. See, all that, what this boils down to, and what John struggled with, and frankly what we struggle with all the time, is that, is that we, we put a value on religious practice. The right experience. It's got to look the right way. And if it doesn't, well, there's a problem. How we think things ought to be. And if they're not, well, they're not right, are they? No. They can't. Really? No. It's, it's true that if, if something looks wrong, it's, it very well could be wrong. But it's not... Because I say it so doesn't make it so. Because I think it so doesn't make it so. The things we experience in life don't fit with our preconceived ideas about what ought to be, about how life ought to work out, about how God ought to answer my prayers, how God ought to move in my life. And maybe my ideas need to a little maybe God has a a different calling for me in that moment maybe in that moment I'm just standing at the fence just banging my head into the wire thinking what's going on and maybe he wants to do something different in me than what he's doing in everybody else different in you than what he's doing in everybody else You, you see the person sitting next to you? You Go ahead, give them a, just a glance. Don't look at them hard, but just give them a little glance out of the corner of your eye. <clears throat> Do you, did you know that, that God's call on your life is different than the call on their life? Did you know that? If you didn't know that, let me explain this to you. Do you know why it's different? It's guaranteed. I promise you it's different. You know how I know? Because they're sitting there. He doesn't need two of us. Right? He's got, he's got them. He, what he needs is you. He needs you to fulfill your purpose. The call that he has on your life. He needs you to accomplish that. To fulfill your function as part of the body of Christ. Not to wish you had theirs. Not to wish your life worked out like theirs is. But just to do your piece. I Me mean, to do my piece. There's no reason to try to Fit God into our way of thinking. How I think things ought to work. All I need to do is use the gate that he's given me. Just walk around the corner. Experience what he's made available to us. I invite you into that. That life that he's prepared for you today. You might step into the purpose that he's given for you. The call that he has on your life. And you might begin to see him move in ways that you haven't seen before, maybe because you're trying to accomplish things that he didn't call you to accomplish. Maybe it's a season of life that you need to accept. my role's changing. maybe it's, maybe it's a different opportunity that's coming up in your life. that you need to accept it as, frankly, this might be God moving, and it looks very different than what it's looked like in the past. Maybe you need to be open to what God wants to do in you. Don't doubt. Trust what he's up to. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that, that you make sense even when life, I thank you, God, that you give us answers when life seems to just give us more questions. God, for us gathered here who want to glorify you, Lord, I ask for a, a, a deliverance of your spirit into our lives, Lord, that you would fill us, that we may live out the life that you have called us to live. Fill us with your spirit, God, like that we might move as your people, that we might see you move through our lives and into the the homes of our neighbors, God, our friends, our coworkers. Lord, move in us a mighty way. For some of us here today, Lord, we've, we've we've never taken the first step of trusting you. All we have is questions. That that trust begins with a, a moment of surrender. Just, just to surrender your life to Him. God, I've sinned. I've fallen short. I I trust. I know that You died for me. I know that You want me to live, and You have a purpose for my life. Forgive me, Lord. Thank You, God for receiving me as your child. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. And now, God, thank you for the new life that you give me. God, I ask that you would empower me to live for you. We love you, Lord. we praise you today. And all your people said, amen. 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 We have one more closing hymn that we're going to sing. But uh, first, I don't know if anybody told you, tonight there is a Palm Sunday uh, program uh, at Rom Chapel, so I hope you can come and be a part of that. There's a lot of things on the back of the program, today's program. Things are going on this week in the life of the church here in Rock Hall. Uh, if you don't live here in Rock Hall, in the community that you're in, there's a lot of stuff that's going on this week. Holy Week, right? Uh, our Super Bowl is next Sunday, That uh, the day of celebration when, when everything builds that Easter Sunday, the, the day that changed all our lives. So I hope you can be, find yourself in worship next Sunday, and, and this would be a great opportunity. Wherever you are going to be next Sunday, to take somebody with you. Take somebody with you who needs to hear a word of hope. I promise you they're going to hear it next Sunday. Pretty much every church is going to have a word of hope next Sunday, right? Take them with you. Bring somebody. If if you're coming here, bring somebody with you. Pay them. Bribe them. You'll you'll buy them lunch when it's over. That doesn't matter. Just just get them where they can hear a word of hope, because our world is desperate for it, all right? Amen. Would you join us as we stand and sing together? 256? All right.